This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to How Bitches Are Made. I am your host, Rachel Melvin. Thank you guys so much for joining me again this week as we continue on our Habam Diaries bonus episode series. So every week I'm giving you guys a little bit of a taste of what I'm going through in life in real time without getting too specific about it. And Kevin raised the question to me last week when he heard the episode back. He was like, you know, if I was listening to this, I'd be going crazy trying to know what you're talking about. Why don't you just tell people? If you guys listened to season two's finale, which was all about legality and lawsuits and all sorts of things... Um, That's why, because I don't feel it's safe or smart to go into too much detail until things are finalized and packaged up all nice and neat with a little bow and officially behind me. The reason for that is just because I've learned time and time again that you put yourself out there too much, it can come back to bite you in the ass in ways that you don't foresee, even if it's a very innocent thing it's, it's just not a smart thing to do. So as I said in the last episode, we will get into specifics in the next season, season three, when all this stuff is officially behind us in the review mirror and there's no cause for concern or need to be pragmatic and cautious and careful. That's just the plight of a bitch, right? <laughs> Those are That's a lesson I've learned through the trials and tribulations in my life time and time again. It's be vague, say less, and um, <laughs> just be smart. So uh, that's why I'm doing that. Hopefully you can understand. But as I also stated, look, we're all going through very similar things right now as this episode will kind of get into. And, and this is why I really like this bonus series. Everybody's going through similar things, even if the specificities are different. We can all relate because the general feeling is the same. And so like a song, you don't have to know exactly what I'm writing about in my life to take something away from it. And my intention with all these as I continue to write these little excerpts is, you know, I'm titling them just one word things. And I think that's because that's really what each piece is about, is that one word. And we can all relate to that one word. So without further ado, um, this week's little mini story is called Anxiety. And this was obviously written about my experience with that most recently. It's rare for me to stare at a blank screen. My brain is usually swarming with noise making it easy to expel and fill a page that ultimately brings clarity and calm. But here I am, wondering what to type to exercise this demon inside that's causing poop 
you'd only otherwise recognize in the diaper of a baby. I've always carried my anxiety in my body, and I suppose because I'd learned to adapt and live with it for so many years, I'd forgotten what it felt like once it finally left. But it's returned, with a vengeance, taking over me with a kind of primal power that can only be likened to a feral animal trying to escape being cornered. There's nothing to do but sit still, to feel the gravity pushing down on me, sucking out fleeting moments I'll soon miss in all their freedoms. The things that once came so easily to me feel tarnished, if not entirely stolen. Where did my life go? It's a question I find myself asking daily as I look into the mirror of a girl I no longer recognize. Her eyes are dimmer, like a horse who's been extracted from the wild, broken and tamed. Her hair seems grayer, like the mother she once didn't understand for failing to take care of herself. Her skin is dull, no longer tight or bright, as though she's been doused by the rays of the moon instead of the sun. I wonder what I did to deserve a phase of life that contrasts so harshly with the chapter before. Is this just how it's going to be now? Are the best days of my life behind me? Is this adulthood? The ways I used to recenter myself, the ways I used to replenish my soul and recharge my battery in order to battle on in the face of life, they've all been taken from me. Stripped. And I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. I know I'm not the only one in this specific situation even that's making me feel this way. It's the state of the world, compounded by the weight of our individual ones. And I'm not talking about the ones we live inside, inside the walls of our home, but the ones we live inside, inside the walls of our bodies. Who can offer us support? We're all so distracted by the ways in which we're being attacked, undermined, manipulated, divided, destroyed, and persecuted, that we simply fail to have enough in our cups to share with the next person. Our own stress is just too great to even hear about someone else's. I often wonder why the world is not simpler, why it's not enough to just mind our own business, be kind to one another, and help someone in need so their journey is just a little bit easier. To share our truths so that others can form and find their own. That's a cycle that could prevail. Whenever I'm feeling deflated, I often turn inward to uncover the heart of the issue. For me currently, it's best described as self-betrayal. Going against what I believed I should have, not following my instinct, not standing my ground, not speaking my mind, not putting myself first. All because I'm trying to fall into line at the advice of people I do not hold in a higher regard than myself. Stay silent, these people say, for I do not carry enough weight on my own to prevail in a world like ours today. That kind of censorship goes against every single fiber of my being. I cannot be tamed. I will not be broken. I will not apologize for who I am, what I believe, or what I believe I have to contribute to the world. My problem lies in strategy and patience, two things I've never been good at. I guess I consider this prose, a vague description of the situation at hand because for reasons I cannot yet disclose, I can't elaborate in a more transparent way. Yet another insult to the fabric of my being. Hiding. Concealing. Ironic I'm an actor, paid to lie when I'm so bad at doing it for free. What makes an actor great, though, is what they consider to be the truth in the moment. My truth of this moment? 
I miss acting. It was a safe space to bridge the gap of our differences. It was a safe space to be emotional without being thought of as weak. It was a safe space. I'm tired of being a warrior. I need to cry. I need real tears that connect me to others behind the screen from which they sit. To give them a voice through their own silence. To give them support through neglect. They're not alone. None of us are alone. But that sacred moment between actor and audience, it's a private moment. It's how the audience knows they are seen, they are heard. They have permission to feel. They don't have to deny the emotions inside them that are ugly, afraid, or angry. Because we all are. And we're allowed to be. I know we talk a lot about the power of knowing who you are in this podcast because of the power that comes with having done that work. You know what you stand for so you don't fall for anything. That's something I said last episode. But um, we talked about authority a lot last episode. And I think a lot of times when we revere leadership, we end up to some degree compromising who we are. And a lot of the times the people that are described as trailblazers or brave, those are just people that aren't willing to compromise on who they are, no matter the outcome or the consequences that might come as a result. And it is brave because those consequences can be dire. I mean, if you look around what's going on in the world today, you're seeing that play out in real time. And if we look back in history, we can certainly see that. It's a hard thing to do, to both honor yourself and also to betray yourself. And I think where I'm at right now is I'm caught somewhere in the middle of knowing, okay, how do I honor myself in a way that's not reckless and causes this grave fallout that I can't recover from? And how do I compromise the things I need to in order for that fallout to not happen? And that feels like self-betrayal. When you're someone like me that is very opinionated and outspoken, and I know like doing this podcast, that might be a hard thing to imagine. But again, This podcast is carefully crafted to be very diplomatic because at the end of the day, it it is about self-care and mental health and how we can live our lives in the most authentic way that honors who we are, but also honors other people in the process and gives us the life that we want to cultivate that life that we want. But the truth is, there is this side of me that... I have to work through before I can get to this point. I said last week, like, oh, you know, these these episodes are going to be uncensored. They're going to be this and they're going to be that. I think we can all agree that so far they've not been. (laughs) They've been they've been pretty much like the other episodes I do, the traditional format. And that's because when I'm writing these, I'm in the heat of the moment. And then a couple days go by. And even as I'm recording this, I'm kind of working through it in a more constructive, non-emotional way. But for me, going through the emotion, and Kevin is very different. We're very different people. A lot of people that I've dated in the past have taken up issue with how I work through things, which is like a toddler. 
I have no shame in saying that. I have my 15 to 20 minutes of freaking out, throwing my body around, crying, swearing, yelling, doing whatever I need to do so that that energy can move through me and past me and then I can be an adult about it and come to terms with what I need to do to move forward in a healthy and effective way. We totally allow children to do that and we don't allow adults to do that. We say to adults, oh, you're acting childish. Well, guess what? There are some things that children do that are actually beneficial. I'm not saying, you know, we should have these moments where we're being combative and irrationally crazy and passionate, passionately irrational, my favorite phrase, and emotional in these moments in front of other adults to where it makes those people uncomfortable. I try to do this in the privacy of my own space. Sadly, right now I share that space with someone else. And so it's not it's not always convenient for me to do that and it's not always available for me to do that. Sometimes my reactions and my way of dealing with things and processing it affect other people. They certainly affect Kevin. He's he's a lot more I, I hate that this word has such a negative connotation, but He's a lot more sensitive than me. Someone can can freak out and get mad at me and I'm kind of like Teflon. It, it doesn't stick to me because I understand it. That's how I work. But other people that are more sensitive like Kevin, um, it affects them more. It affects their energy. They take on that energy. They kind of absorb it. They're not able to just like be disconnected. There's no wrong or right way. There's no better or worse way. There's just different ways. All of this is suffice to say, I've been caught up in this in-between phase that's almost, you know, while it's been probably more responsible and less reckless of me, it's caused me to be more angry because it's it's festering. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this energy. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm I'm constrained and I can't just be me. I can't be free. A lot of us are feeling that way right now. That goes without saying. But it's not just in the obvious way that that implies. It's in these other more nuanced ways. And what I think is really difficult right now for everybody is that these last two years have been rough. And we've we've been dealing with a lot of shit. And in the beginning, we had to pivot very quickly. There wasn't time to think and consider and weigh our options and think about the consequences of our actions, which we know how important doing that is from previous episodes of this whole podcast. But when you're not afforded the opportunity, you you just are in survival mode and you do what you need to do to survive. Okay, fast forward now, here we all are two years later. We're still dealing with it, but now we're also dealing with the fallout and the consequences of all those knee-jerk reactions and snap decisions that we had to make. And with having done that, there's a lot of other things that happen in the process. A lot of people died. A lot of people moved away. We were in isolation. Now we're not in isolation, but we still feel isolated because our our friend groups have dispersed. Our family circles have diminished. There's been division. Just so many things. And none of us are able to be there for each other to help us get through it the way community has done in the past. Everyone's life is in shambles. Everybody's life has been affected. Even if not gravely, let's take my life for instance. I no longer live in Los Angeles. Didn't see that ever coming. I I don't have any friends anymore that live here. 
it wasn't just me that moved away. It was everybody. All my friends now are in different states. Um, I've had to pivot with my job for reasons I can't yet discuss, though I'm sure you can read between the lines. I've done a lot of things. I lost a dog. I lost a grandma. My parents just lost their dog. My family lives nowhere close to me. I have no community. I'm not the only person going through this, is the point. It's just really hard. I don't have the answers right now to give people the encouragement I wish I could because we're not there yet. Nobody is. We're all still picking up the pieces and trying to rebuild. And so I think a lot of these episodes that are upcoming that you're going to be hearing are kind of exploring this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Vast unknown that we're all trying to get through and rebuild to get some semblance of normalcy in our, our old lives back. And some of those lives can't be reclaimed. As I just said, there's been so much loss. I'm never going to get my grandma back. And there's a lot of emotions that come up with that. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of regret feeling like, you know, even in the time that I did have with her during the pandemic, I didn't get to see her. Again, I'm not the only person that's in that situation. I'm not saying that to get pity. I'm just saying that because it's the truth. There are moments lost because we were so distracted by having to pivot in a very quick matter and make not just make decisions under pressure, but like make major life decisions. Like the biggest stressors in life are moving, death, marriage, divorce. Um, I know there's a couple others that just aren't coming to me right now, but you're having to make decisions about all of that. Oh, unemployment. That's one. Hello. I think a lot of us can say that we've hit them all in the last two years. And even if we're rebuilding and we're getting some semblance of our life back, we don't have the opportunity or the time or the resources right now to do the mental health work that we need to to be okay. And what concerns me that I've noticed in my own life, and this is a catch-22 because I have to tell you all, if you follow me on social media, you know that something weird happened with my Instagram. And in the biggest moments of my life, booking Dumb and Dumber, having Dumb and Dumber come out, doing this podcast, those, those things as examples, I wasn't getting messages from fans. So I felt very robbed of those very special moments of feeling like I could connect with people for work that I'd done that I was really proud of and had spent at that point 10 years pounding pavement to get to. And it was very disheartening to miss out on that and then cut to now realizing that like five years worth of messages from people were hidden from me on Instagram for some reason. I was never able to see them. And then all of a sudden they come flooding in. I totally missed an opportunity to connect with my fans. And some of the messages that I was reading in real time, I wished that I had seen when those events were actually playing out because it would have meant so much more to me. And it's it's a bummer. And the catch-22 that I'm talking about is now – 
I'm getting those messages, which is really nice. And what's kind of cool about it is I think people reaching out that may have been nervous to reach out because they had some idea of me back then in the hype, now the stakes are lower. And I feel like now I'm actually connecting with my fans in a very real, authentic way. And we're having real conversations about really cool things. And I... I have noticed myself turning to social media in these moments when I feel really lonely to feel connected and better. So I'm really grateful for that. But then on the flip side, I'll go onto social media and I find it disheartening to look on my thread and see that everyone's acting like everything's okay when it's not and we know it's not and the same things are still happening people are trying to sell a lifestyle people then feel bad because they're they're being comparative and they don't feel like their life measures up which makes them feel even worse and more depressed and and then they're feeling like nobody else is going through what they're going through and then that makes them feel even lower so it's it's kind of this weird time that we live in where social media can be a very beautiful thing but it can also be a very dangerous thing right now And I'm not really sure how to navigate through it. I'm lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones because I have a a following and a platform that affords me the opportunity to have conversations with many, many people. Not everyone can say that. So um, I guess that's why when this happened, it felt people were asking me, like, I can't even believe you're going back and responding to people that messaged you three years ago. And a lot of them are like, what? Who are you? I don't even remember reaching out to you. That's okay. The reason why I do it is because I don't want anyone to feel ignored. I don't want anyone to feel like they don't matter. I don't want anyone to feel invisible or silenced or like they're efforts to reach out are falling on deaf ears because I've been that way I've reached out this is so embarrassing I've reached out to girls on the bachelor okay because they'll say things that I connect with like this most recent season serene I reached out to her twice because she said something about body image and her cousin getting murdered and those are two things that I have in common with her that are very rare and very um I mean not rare but in the sense where like you don't always have the opportunity to connect with people on those very specific things and the way that she was speaking about them. And I wanted to reach out to her because I felt like I would want someone to reach out to me. That would mean a lot. And then she never responded, but that's also because she didn't allow message requests. But still, there's still a feeling where you feel a little hurt or ignored when people don't respond to you. And I understand that. So I don't want to perpetuate that feeling and cause it when I've been on the receiving end. And it's horrible. So... I guess all of this is just to say, again, we're all going through the same thing. And I think it's important to take a moment and recognize that no matter no matter how bad your situation is, somebody always has it worse. And of course, somebody always has it better. But we're all going through it at the same time. So I guess my advice this week would be to try to be conscious of that and try to allow that awareness to create a little bit more gentleness in the way you go about your life be a little more tender and less self-protecting I guess like whenever I'm hurting I'm always like you know the tough girl I'm way more defensive and and I'd I'd much rather be more like gruff and unapproachable than be open and loving and have someone hurt me that's just how I am Kevin's the opposite that's why we work He's clearly the better half, but he might see me as a better half just because in moments, I'm sure he envies the way I am. 
But if you are that way, what I'm asking you to do is be a little bit more like Kevin because people are going through things and we don't know what they're going through and we never, ever stop to consider what someone might be going through. We're only thinking about what we're going through. Yes, some people can call that selfish, but honestly, that's just life. That's just how we operate. Um, but this week, I'm I'm asking you to challenge yourself the same way I'm going to, which is to take a moment and instead of being on the defense or on the attack, consider that the person you're having an exchange with is no doubt going through something similar to what you are in the very least, but they could also be going through something worse. And have a little pity if they don't seem to give a shit because they're just less self-aware than you are. And then tell them about this podcast so they can listen (laughs) and get a little more self-aware. Anyhow, I also wanted to take a moment to speak to the anxiety portion of this piece. I've lived with anxiety ever since I moved to LA. And I never knew what anxiety was until I moved out to the desert. And then I started going back and forth from the desert to LA. It's hard for me to imagine that there's anybody out there that hasn't experienced anxiety, but there might be. So here's what it feels like for those of you that don't know, or maybe you've only had a mild case of it. You wake up in a constant panic, just immediately worried. And even if you're not consciously aware of what you're worried about, your, your body is like always in that fight or flight response. There's like a feeling of trembling, even if you're not physically trembling. It's like shakiness. And you're just constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop or something to go wrong or having to do damage control. It's a horrible fucking feeling. For me, it, it honestly, this is such a scary thing I didn't even realize till this week. It prevents me from eating. And then even when I eat, like my digestive system doesn't work. I made a joke, and I'm sorry that it was gross, about my poop being like baby poop. I don't know if you've ever seen baby poop in a diaper, but like that was fucking funny. But it's true. It's like I can't even shit right. I'm so nervous. And when I was going back and forth from L.A. to the desert is when I started to feel the difference because in the desert, I'd sleep well. I'd wake up early. I felt very calm and relaxed. I ate well. There was no anxiety around eating. Like my bowel movements were normal. (laughs) And then I'd go to L.A., and I would wake up like like on alert, ready to go, but like nervous. It constantly feels like there's something wrong, but you never know what's wrong. It's the worst feeling. And then when I moved full time to the desert, it just totally left me. And it was like, oh my God, this is what life is supposed to be. I'm living now. Well, when all this fuckery that I've been referring to that's been going on these last few weeks specifically started happening I I started to wake up three or four in the morning like in a panic short shortness of breath uh couldn't go back to sleep needed Xanax Xanax wouldn't work it's just it's just constant fucking worry it is torture it is hell it's a fucking nightmare and the situation I spoke of last week that Kevin and I are in which is one of the issues that is something that's going to last for a good a good six months to a year. It's just one of those problems that takes a really long time to have a resolution to. And I'm like, I can't live with this anxiety every day. I can't. I, and I don't want to be popping pills. So I'm trying to find a way to combat and or channel this anxiety. And I know one of the things that we even had in one of the episodes of our podcast 
was thanking your anxiety. Like, hey, thank you for alerting me that there's something going on I need to work through. You've done your job now. You're released. A lot of people believe that just simply acknowledging the anxiety is enough to make it go away. That has helped. But I think when you're clear on why you're having anxiety, it loses a bit of its power because if you're still feeling it, it's like, well, I've acknowledged it. I'm completely aware and understanding of why I have it, but I don't understand now how to get rid of it. It's not working. I haven't found something that works for me yet outside of truthfully doing this podcast and writing. Kevin was the one who told me, he's like, you need to start writing. And that has helped subdue it a tad. But the reason why it's such a cause for concern for me specifically is because, again, it causes me to neglect the thing, the basic things in life that you need. Sleep, eating, drinking water, and, you know, having a roof over your head. I had a, my therapist that I always praise and talk about. She would tell me that the best thing to do is to start eating high-frequency foods, she would call them. Things like kale. Things that are, you know, organic and natural and fruit and veggie based. Eat very well. Get the junk food gone because the junk food is just going to make you feel worse and create more anxiety. And one of the things that I hate to admit that's also made me feel better. And the reason I hate to admit it is because it's just such a commentary on how fucked up the world still is on a, in a gender space. Is, um, you know, men believe that their value comes from power and money or their, I'm sorry, their power comes from money and, and their assets. And women believe that their power comes from beauty. It's how it's always been. It's still ingrained in us. We're working very hard to change that. And, and we are moving forward in that realm. But it's still there. I mean, honestly, you guys, like, I talk about looking in the mirror and feeling ugly. Like, my hair's gray. My skin's pale. I'm, I'm losing muscle mass. So I look skinnier. My clothes are baggier. Like I have wrinkles, my there's dark circles under my eyes. I'm not doing a beauty routine. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not wearing makeup. I'm not doing my hair. I'm not working out or stretching. These are things that you have to really prioritize and do, or I've had to anyway. I shouldn't speak for anybody, but you should try it. And it's not about looking perfect. It's about caring for yourself, taking the time to wash your hair, blow dry it, curl it, straighten it, whatever you want to do, put on makeup every morning, wash your face at night, do your skincare routine. These are things that subliminally, I think, improve your self-worth in a psychological way. So doing that has been helpful for me as well. Drinking more water, obviously, which I need to do right now. I'm so parched. That is something. Also, Kevin and I just went on a 10-mile hike with some neighbors we met. Saying yes to things you wouldn't normally say yes to, especially if they're adventures and especially if they involve being outside in nature. I think that literally digging your heels into the ground of this earth is replenishing and revitalizing and recharges you. And, and honestly, part of the reason why is because like a lot of times when you go on these hikes, you don't have service. So you're disconnected from your phone. There's so much anxiety surrounded by a phone, whether it's phone calls you don't want to get or deal with, phone calls that come with bearing bad news, f the social media aspect. So those are the things I would say to try if you're going through anxiety right now. Just put in the extra effort and care to take care of yourself, whether that's implementing a beauty regime. If you're a guy just I don't I don't know how to speak to that because I'm not a guy and I wouldn't begin to try to understand what that what that experience is like. But as far as assets, what I can speak to you from a female perspective, a hetero female is 
if you think that those things are going to attract women to you or a mate, they're they're not. They're not going to attract the right kind of, of mate, in other words. Um, no quality person gives a shit about any of that because at the end of the day, as we've seen, shit in the world happens that affects money and assets and materialism and you might not have it. And if you never had real love to begin with and that stuff goes away, that person's going to leave you. I guess the other thing I would suggest is, you know, make a gratitude list. Try to brainstorm for five or 10 minutes the things that you are grateful for that you have in your life that are not materialistic. And also brainstorm things that you find joy in that are not materialistic. I think that that could be really beneficial and um, create an epiphany in you perhaps that makes you see things a little bit different, more clearly or more healthily and more constructively. So I would say that that's, that's my advice for combating anxiety or in the very least just managing it and dealing with it while you're in the storm until it passes if anybody has any other suggestions or um, ways that have worked for them, please, please share so that I can share with listeners as well. That's um, that's all I wanted to say for this week. I have written many of these, so just expect that there will be some every week. And uh, my goal with these is to just try to connect us all, make you feel seen, make you feel heard, make you feel connected to someone who's going through the same things you are, and give you a little bit of advice to get you through the week and I hope that when you guys hear this you had a decent enough weekend and that this week is a good week to you and if it's not a good week to you or it hasn't been a good week to you depending on when you're listening to this hold your head up high and know that this too shall pass hang in there we're all going through it and know that you have a friend in this podcast in me and um, you have support and in whatever way you need it you guys are always invited to reach out I would love for you to I think that we all need to try to lift each other up and make each other stronger because we're all feeling pretty weak and don't be fooled by the shit that you see on social media everyone's going through this and everything that you're seeing on social media is fake it's just people pretending that things are okay because that's their way of coping but don't be fooled by it don't be deterred by it don't be defeated by it Okay, we'll see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. Consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends, and have a good week. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin.